Quite the Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints. Hi everybody and welcome to quite the interview from Quite the Thing Media. My name is Jack and today we are speaking with Eric Allen from Top Rated MMA, the Eric Allen Show and owner of Bearded Biz. Eric, how are you? Hey, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much, Jack, for having me on the show, man. Truly an honor, dude. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Now, normally I have a set eight questions that I will ask everybody. I think our conversation might be a little bit different, a little bit deeper than that. So I will ask some questions about your podcast and your podcasting life, but I do want to know your story, basically. I want you to be able to tell us that without constraints. So the first question I do ask everybody is, what is your podcast and when did it start, basically? Yeah, so I've got the, the top-rated MMA show started in 2017. It was actually started as an apparel company in 2012. And then about 2015, I got bored with it and actually put it up for sale. Somebody called to offer me a few grand for the company. And I said, in that call, I was like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm going to restart. So I restarted in 2017 as the top-rated MMA podcast. Had no idea what I was doing. I was in a walk-in closet for probably 100 episodes and didn't look into the camera, didn't have the lighting, didn't have a good microphone. You know, and That's where I really highlight MMA fighters from around the world, so I help them get known and noticed online. So I bring on a lot of amateur fighters, a lot of guys that are up and coming, and we get them on the show, and we promote their name and their brand. And that started in 2017. 2019, I started my other show, originally called The Beard of Biz Show. Now it's called The Eric Allen Show. And that's where I'm highlighting entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. And again, helping them get known and noticed online. And really bringing together like big names like Ed Milet, Brad Lee, Bedros Koulian, Jim the Rookie Morris, the guy the Rookie movie was based off of and things like that. So that's where I uh, release both of those shows. Every Saturday is Top Rated May and every Friday is The Eric Allen Show. Yes, and... Do you fight yourself? Is it something that you partake in as a as, as a hobby, or is it something that you're just interested in? Yeah, love love the love the fight game. I personally, I've never fought. I've done a little bit of boxing training, a little bit of karate training as a kid, but nothing you know where I, I'm not competing in the cage. I have so much respect for fighters, and you know, grew up watching pay per views with Mike Tyson, and you know, the UFC ones and twos and threes, and you know, all the early shows, man, and. And so just always been a fan. And so just wanted to start up the show and really ask fighters, like, why do you want to get punched in the face? That was my my one question that I wanted to ask fighters. Yes, I've got vague memories of UFC 1, where it was a one-night competition and it was a knockout. So I have never got into the ring with anybody. I've done a little bit of boxing when I was younger, yeah, like yourself, but I've never had an actual fight with somebody but to go through that bare knuckle and just go tonto as a phrase that we use in Glasgow and Scotland and just have that drive and be able to take those punches is just something that I will never understand yeah you, you speak about you speak about Mike Tyson going back um going back to the day so was was boxing your first your first love, in inverted commas, the fight game. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, with my dad, we did get the Mike Tyson pay-per-views, but he introduced me to like the WWF, the like actual wrestling as a kid. So like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, British Bulldog, all those guys, right? And we went and saw probably five or six WWF events when it was called WWF events or WWF, WWF. Uh, now it's called WWE, obviously. But I remember going to like amateur wrestling matches as a kid. Like, you know, they would have like... uh midget wrestling they have like you know regional like jake the snake roberts would come through man and you know all those guys that are now big names and so that's what i i think grew up watching was like you know grew up watching wwf my dad introduced me to like ninja movies and things like that so i think i was a ninja for halloween for like 15 years straight you know like just always been a fan of combat sports man yeah you're speaking about your childhood there and you're speaking about your father now we may as well just go back to you as a youngster sure you didn't have the best childhood um from what i have read and, and listened to you saying so can you tell us a little bit about your your formative years your early years as a as a child and what was happening as a five six seven yeah. eight year old yeah Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in, in what I thought was a typical household. We played little league, went to Sunday school and my dad would take my best friend, Dave and I, and he'd literally throw us in dumpsters behind big stores and say, go find treasure. Like that was just our typical Saturday morning, man. And then when I was 11, my parents got divorced and they both got together with someone very quickly. The man that my mom got together with was very physically abusive. He was an alcoholic and, and very early on. So I was surprised that my mom stayed with him. And I remember like, they were arguing and I'd be outside of the house looking through their window to see what was going on. And he would be hitting her with a cordless phone when those were around. And it was just weird to me that my mom never pressed charges. The police would always come. He'd never get taken away to jail. And then in the middle of my eighth grade year, they decided to move us from Washington state out to a small town in Montana called Stevensville, Montana. It was population like 1200 and five acres, beautiful property, but they rented this house at three bedrooms. It was one for them one for my brother that they had together, a little baby. So he's like just a couple months old. And then my sister, and they said, Eric, you got to live in the garage. So I literally had this half of the garage, a plastic tarp down the middle of the garage. And my half was, you know, my bed and I had a fireplace, but then in Montana, when it gets negative degrees, it gets pretty cold. Even if you have the fireplace on when it goes out in the middle of the night. So, you know, I, I definitely feel like rejection and things like that, but the arguing and the abuse, it never stopped once we got to Montana. And I remember being 13 years old, brushed my teeth one night, wasn't anything different. They came home arguing, but in my heart, I felt it, it, in my opinion, I felt like it was God saying, man, you got to turn around. So the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry, to the garage where I lived. And I turned around the corner and I see him on top of my mom, just boom, 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 hitting her one after the other. And so I snuck up behind him and I grabbed a cast iron pan, big heavy duty one. And I got a pretty good swing. So I swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and he turned around. And he was like, what the F? And as he said that I took another swing and I split his forehead open and I had swung so hard that last time I actually fallen over and he stood up just somehow getting, didn't get knocked out because he was so drunk and he was bleeding from his face. My mom jumps up, punched him like six times in a row, hits, you know, blood sitting in the wall behind him. Cops show up, take him to jail. My mom doesn't press charges. I get kicked out of the house. I have three months left in my freshman year of high school. So I'm bouncing around from houses to houses of my friends to finish out my freshman year. And that pretty much led me on this path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. The, something that I can relate to is my 
partner at the moment suffered serious domestic abuse as well with her ex-partners and she would do the same where she would not press charges she would mm. bail them out she would she was stuck in a psychological nightmare have you ever had that conversation with your mother because it's, it might be too easy just to ask why did you stay but have you ever had the, the deeper conversation about how she may have felt trapped or coerced and was that a, a difficult conversation if you did have it yeah, that's a great question. No, I'm, I mean, I've never had that question because I think it was a few years after I had left, uh, did she finally get enough courage to get out of that relationship? Uh, but uh, and definitely I'm not, I'm not close with my mom, but that, that relationship ended in, and you know, that's a great question. I probably should ask her, you know, but uh, it's never something that, that I've ever brought up with her. You know, essentially after that, I went to live with my dad out in Washington state where I grew up. And he rented a house for me and him, and he would put $20 in a cup. That was my lunch money for the week. And he'd fill the freezer with hunger man meals and cereal and milk and essentially go stay with his girlfriend. So I would see my dad a couple times a month and I would had no accountability, you know, no adult supervision. So my house became the party house. So got into drugs really early. I was taking, you know, acid and mushrooms and hash and, you know, uh, anything I could get my hands on, you know, smoking a ton of pot. If I couldn't pay afford five dollars for the hit acid, I'd go to the store and buy a bottle of Robitussin DM because it was two fifty, and I could get the same hallucination going on, you know. And then at eighteen, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington. But I had to go to jail while I was still in high school. I'd spend the night in jail, black and white chain gang outfit outfit on, bright orange slippers, and barely graduated high school. And I just thought, like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm on a year of probation, so I can't smoke pot. So I'm going to start drinking. So I started drinking really heavily over the next year. Two weeks after I graduated, I had a note on my window or my mirror in my bathroom that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. So between 18 and 21, I moved 21 times, lifting off of credit cards and still having these addictions, moving to Seattle with $100 in my pocket. And at 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy, you know, and still battling these addictions at the same time. So, yeah, man, it was pretty crazy. And during that time, you were um, taking acid, taking cocaine, drinking, all that sort of stuff that I've done in the past as well. Like, it's it's quite prevalent in, in Glasgow and Scotland for people to do that. My dad died when I was 17. I didn't know what to do. Drink mm -hmm. cocaine, blah, blah, blah. So wow. I'm, I can kind of understand where you're coming from. You're speaking about addictions. Did, at the time, were you aware that you were an addict or was this something that you realized later on in your life? You know, my, uh, you know, it was, I think it I kind of subconsciously had thought about it. Yep. I I'm an alcoholic or yes, I I'm addicted to drugs, but I was pretty functioning with it. Like I, I knew like, Hey, I'm not going to drink before I go to work. Uh, you know, so I never showed up at things drunk. I was always just a late night partier, but always consistently drinking all the time. And then I got a job in the music business where, which was always my dream. I, I don't know how to play anything, but I wanted to get in the music business to get on the sales side. And so when I was 22 years old, I got a job with universal records out in Seattle. And I just showed up for six months, didn't get paid. I was just an intern guy. And then after six months, they're like, dude, this guy's here every single day. We should start paying him. So I got hired on and I was with them for a full year. 
And during that year, I was going to two to three concerts a week and I had open tab. So I was backstage hanging out with rock stars, drinking tons, going to lots of concerts. The year before that, my buddy managed a, a venue where I was able to go to free concerts and have free tab, open tab as well. So two year span, probably about 175 concerts under my belt. And then one year anniversary at Universal Records, I got laid off due to Napster, uh, which people don't, you know, if you remember Napster, Napster killed the music industry, man. And uh, I was one of the unlucky guys who got laid off with half of the other office, man. And, and so what that did was I put me into this deep depression. I was working at night as a Starbucks manager and I'd get off work. I'd go to the store, grab a six pack of beer, go rent a movie and go back to my really ghetto apartment and drink myself to sleep every night. And one night this girl walked into Starbucks and she doesn't drink coffee. And she said, Hey, we've got this really cool college age event down at our church. Would you be interested in going her being really hot, me being depressed and having no friends? Yeah, I'm going to go. Heck yeah, I'll go. And so it was this weird connection though, because I got down there and I knew all these people. I was like, dude, I haven't seen you since high school, man. I haven't seen you in like four years, dude. So it was like this weird connection. So it was like the seed that was planted in that point, man. And, um, about a month later, it was Easter 2004. I was managing a band. We went out and played a concert the night before Easter. I woke up Easter morning, surrounded by probably 15 people in my buddy's basement about 5 a.m. And I felt God's presence in me just say, man, you're done. You're going down this wrong path. You've got to wake up and get out of this stuff or your life's going to end real quick. And I cold turkey, drug, quit drinking drugs, cigarettes, everything right there. And I gave my life to Christ. And I called that guy or that girl up and said, Hey, you know, I got her voicemail. Hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the store. And about a month later, we were dating and she's now my wife here today, 16 plus years later. Yeah. So that's the last 16 years. How many kids have you got, Eric? Uh, we have two. Yeah. Two kids. Okay. Yep. And so what age are they and how, how are they getting on? They, they're obviously brought up in a much better environment than yourself. Obviously, you wouldn't want to put that on your own children why would you you would you never would yeah absolutely yeah so they're 11 and 8 you know my wife and I when we got married we spent 5 years just getting to know each other we didn't uh you know we didn't have kids for 5 years she came from a broken home i came from a broken home so we knew exactly what we didn't want in marriage but of course we brought some baggage into it of like these uh you know pre-existing thoughts and things that were put into our head watching our parents and things like that so we had to work that stuff out but we just wanted to focus on getting to know each other. So we went down to Mexico twice and we built homes for people who needed homes and we did some traveling. And then after five years, we had our kids and, you know, our goal is to really leave a different legacy for our kids that they're not going to uh, witness the abuse rejection. We'll never get a divorce. When we said I do, we meant it and there's nothing that would pull us apart. And so we are very dedicated on making sure that our kids have a much different life than we did as, as kids. And so we want to continue that for generations to come down this Allen tribe line, man. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like a, a good plan, Eric. I'd like to go back in time then. And I'd like to drill down into some of the things that you, you have mentioned, maybe not on this podcast, but uh, that you have mentioned previously. And one of the things was going to Sunday school and playing with GI Joe's because I love GI Joes when I was a kid. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. love them. I think we're about the same age. I'm 36. Okay, um, so, I'm 41. So yeah, I, and uh, I didn't share my story till I was 39. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what made you share your story? Why did you decide? Right, I'm going to share my personal story in such a public forum, such as podcasting. 
You know, it's a great question because I held on to it for so long. I was, you know, felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed, you know, like, I don't want to tell people I came from this crazy life. And, you know, I ended up, I went to counseling when we first got married to try to deal with all of the stuff that was going through my head. And I came across a guy named Pete Vargas online and he's a storyteller. And he talked about his TEDx talk and how he got there. And he just talked about like, Hey, put your story out there and doors will begin to open up. And so I did this video. Like if you watch the YouTube video, the original one I did, very nervous. Like you can tell I wasn't really comfortable in front of the camera, eight minutes long, like, you know, that not really tell my story very clearly. I mean, as much as I could. And I took that to my wife and said, Hey, do you think that I should put this out there? And she said, I think it's great, but understand that there's going to be people that maybe that are, that, you know, that haven't heard that story before that they might start to, you know, judge you. And I had to realize, okay, that's fine. I'm going to put this out and doors have opened like crazy. It was a huge weight off my shoulder. I wanted to just impact one person with that story. Maybe somebody else had a similar story and they're, they're still stuck. And I just wanted them to let them know that our past does not define our future. You can get, you can make a change at any point in your life in any moment and you can change your life forever. I completely understand and can get behind that, Eric. Now, if people don't know what you look like, you you look like a man's man, right? <laughs> and I kind of think similar of myself. We've got beards, you know, yeah. like a man's man. How much effort and inward thinking did it take to let it go, basically, and just take that step? Because as a man, I'm not saying it's easier for for women probably harder for women at times but as a man's man it can feel like you are weak in inverted commas especially if you if you do like MMA you do like boxing it's like those are testosterone filled sports and and pastimes so how much inward thinking did you have to do and did you speak to anybody did you did you engage with a therapist or psychologist or anything like that to take that first step? Uh, no, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, I did do counseling for probably a few months when we were first married, but uh, other than that, like, you know, with my image and I agree, like, I think early on, I thought, well, I have to be a manly man. I can't show tears. I can't show that I cry or whatnot and things like that. And the first time that I probably cried publicly was when my wife and I went down to Mexico and we built homes for people that literally went from dirt floor to in 24 hours, me and my wife and a team, we put walls up and a roof and a lock on their door. And we do this key ceremony. We hand them a key and everyone's just booger crying, man. Like, you know, it's these moments that are like, man, these are these, their lives are changing because we were able to come down and help them build this wall. And we did that for two families down there. And we plan to do that again. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think some people are like, yeah, you got to be this tough guy and you, you can't share your emotions and you can't share your story. And, you know, and I've learned over the years that it's so much easier and it's a huge weight off your shoulder if you don't care what other people judge you about or who cares what people think, man. Be real with yourself. Like if you've got something to tell, get your story out there, man. And I think just even impacting one person with your story can change their life forever. Yes, I do think it is good it is good to speak. I work full time as well as doing the stuff that I'm doing for the network. And yeah. a lot of the um, students that I deal with, I work in a college. So I deal with a lot of students with a lot of mental health difficulties, autism mm. and sort of physical health problems. And we 
have noticed over the last even two or three years that it is much easier for people to come out and share that story. So I, I agree if you don't need to be that man's man. And I, I used to think I was, and maybe you used to think you were as well. But Sorry. just just go just go for it, basically. That would be my my advice. Although if you are anxious, if you do have a fear of rejection, it can it doesn't matter how many people tell you it'll be fine, it'll be fine, because your 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 brain might be wired differently. You might need to speak to somebody, you might need to take medication, but getting it out there. What was the first podcast that you ever listened to, Eric? Let's get back to the, the, the podcasting. Can you remember? Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, one of the first ones I listened to was it was way back when it was like blog talk radio was the big thing, right? Okay. You know, like <laughs> so I was a guest on a podcast for his MMA show. And I'd never really heard of podcasting when I launched in 2012, the, the top rated apparel company, you know, and somebody had said, Hey, can you come on and just talk about, you know, top rated MA? And so I jumped on the show. That was the first time I'd ever listened to their show. Just like, and they were just talking about like MMA events around the time and highlighting some stuff. And, and, uh, so I gladly got on, but yeah, that was probably the first one that I ever listened to. I don't even remember the name of it. It was just an MMA show that I was invited to go talk on. <laughs> and how has your podcast evolved and changed uh, over the years first the mma and now uh, the eric allen show i think i've involved evolved you know massively going from you know not knowing what i was doing not looking in the camera having a really bad microphone and and not even really preparing for questions like and i like to you know research my guests and things like that but when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. I just wanted to ask the fighters, like, why do you want to get in cage and punch, get punched in the face? You know? And, you know, I've heard everything from like, I did karate and wrestling and transitioned to MMA to I have a federal fence, so I can't go get a real job, but I can go in the cage and I can fight somebody and I can put food on the table for my kids, you know, like, so I've heard those extreme stories. And I think over the years I've evolved to asking better questions, deep diving into really like the childhood and where did people come from? Because I like to ask that question on my shows because I want the audience to realize that the people that I'm talking to, they're just real people too. They had the same, you know, they had a childhood and then they either chose to be successful. They ran through failures. They got built themselves back up and things like that. And I also asked the same on the Eric Allen show. I asked the same question to entrepreneurs that come on because entrepreneurs, we get punched in the face as well. Hopefully not physically, but we get all the no's and rejections and shut down all the time. So how do you get through that? And so, you know, I started the Eric Allen show in 2019 after I won the Ed Milet max out challenge that he issued on Instagram. So I actually got to win. a. Uh, I had a phone call with Ed Milet, who's one of my virtual mentors, love that guy to death. That call I had with him was life changing for me got to speak with him for 30 minutes and he just spoke so much life into me. And I, and the, he's the reason why I started the Eric Allen show, man. And so, yeah, I do both shows. It's a lot of work. I still like you work a full-time job. So I get up at 4am six days a week and I edit my shows and I reach out to guests and I get all things done on my website and get stuff posted. And then at eight o'clock during the week, I start my real job, man. And then at five o'clock, I cut it off and it's family time. Yes. Um, I completely understand that, man. Yeah, 16, 17, 18 hour, hour days. I don't want to, like, I'm running a network, you're running your business, two podcast shows, so I don't want to put people off. Yeah. But is there any advice that you would give to somebody that wanted to start a podcast or get into podcasting, just an independent creator? 
Yeah. Uh, one, I would, I would actually recommend there's a, there's a free course that I have on my website. It's ericallencom slash media doc, uh, er, sorry, ericallenmedia.com slash foundations. It's a free course that I offer to anybody who goes to my website. It'll help you kind of mentally put together the pieces of foundation, not only for podcasting for, but for business and for just mental strength and things like that. So free course out there, ericallenmedia.com slash foundations. Anyone wants to go there. Um, but I, I would start there. But then I would recommend like, if you want to do a podcast, there's so many ways to do it now for free. I use Anchor, which is a free hosting platform. Uh, You can pull it out on your phone. You can do video, you can do audio. If you decide that you want to do podcasting, really figure out like, what, what are you passionate about? If you're passionate about plants or if you're passionate about cats, then do a podcast on that, right? Like find people that are doing that right now, go find other podcasts that are doing it and go, man, that sounds like a good idea. Or I might tweak that. Go and just do it. If you want to do it, take action and make it happen. And then I would say number two, be consistent. So if you're going to put out a podcast, make sure that you're releasing it on the same time every week or the same time every other week. So people get like, they get used to your routine. Like, yep, every Friday I get a new Eric Allen show. And every Saturday I get a new top rate MA show. So be consistent with that. Also be professional with your guests, right? So make sure that you are talking with them and you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't do like the pre-show interviews, but you can do that as well. If you wanted to get no, to know, to, you know, know your guests a little bit more, but I'd say, Hey, just take action and make it happen. Anything that you want, you're passionate about, go get it going, man. And there's so many resources out there that you can get started for free on there, out, out there to just help you get going. And I'm more than happy to help answer questions too. People can shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm, I'm always responsive to those as well. Yeah, we are in the, the same boat. Basically we are offering the chance for creators to come on and if they've got an idea they can come on we can help them with the, the technical side of things and and so on and so forth but we are not yeah. charging anybody at the moment so take that take that jump now one of the biggest things i suppose that happened in your life was finding god mm. were you brought up in a religious household did you believe in god until that point in in your life that we we spoke about just 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You know, I did grow up going to church and and like, we kind of discussed, like I would, I would go to Sunday school. I'd bring my GI Joes with me and then I'd go, Hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I just would never come back. (laughs) You know, I just go play with my GI Joes, man. You know? And so I did grow up in church. I knew of God. I didn't, I wouldn't say I was close to God at all. Um, you know, I would say, you know, high level, surfacy level prayers and things like that throughout the years. But I didn't really commit my life to him until I was 24 years old in my buddy's basement there when I gave it my life to him. You know, and I think as Christians, I, in my opinion, and I, me being a Christian, I feel like they're probably some of the most judgmental people in the world. Right. And so for me, I just say, hey, you know what? It's not my job to judge anybody. Like, I don't care what your political stance is, sexual orientation, whatever. If as long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting someone else, I don't really care. Like, I just want to love you where you're at. That's my job. If everybody just loved people where they're at, man, the world would be a hundred times better. It's a little bit crazy because I am, uh, I, I, I don't believe in God, mm-hmm. but I'm in the same boat as you. Believe what you want. I believe what I want. Yeah. Who cares? Like I'm not doing anybody any harm. You're not doing anybody any harm. Yep. It's it's when people start pushing it in your face, and you you were speaking about Christians being some of the most judgmental people. Atheists are on a par, or if not a level above that. Okay. A lot of atheists can get on their high horse. They think they're smarter than people. They think that 
people that are religious are stupid. Like, there's yeah. a lot of people that do think that. Um, yeah, I'm an atheist, and like I said, you can you can believe what you want, and it massively impacted your life. This is a question that I do ask all uh, guests and all podcasters that come on. Yeah. If you could go back in time to one point in your life and speak to your younger self, where would you go and what would you say to yourself? Man, I think I would have slapped myself silly right out of high school, man, because I was just a, a, a dumb kid that was stuck in addictions. And I would say, man, don't do it. Start learning from people that are successful in life now. Don't wait till you're in your thirties to do it or wait till you're in your forties to do it because it's going to set you back. And man, if I had started listening to guys like Ed Milet or those that were around in my early twenties, man, my life would be a whole lot different now, but you know, I think I would slap myself back then, man, right out of high school and go, man, get your crap together. And not only like, not, not saying like go to school and, and be this college graduate or go get a job right away, but like really whatever you're passionate about, find out what that is as early as you can and really just go find people that are doing that. And, you know, I like to say, go hang around people that are going to uh, lift you up. Like Ed Milet says, if you're walking around at 85 degrees, go find people that are walking around 150 degrees and just being in their presence is going to lift your spirit up. It's going to lift your motivation up and lift your value up. So I say, man, go for it. And, and, uh, but yeah, that's, that's probably where I would go back to slap myself silly right out of high school, man. Yeah. I would absolutely love to go back to when I was 16 or 17. And like you say, it's just slap myself a little bit and say, don't, don't fucking do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do something different. Yeah, it's like, I'm not saying there was a fork in my life, but yeah, put the put the whiskey down, put the Jack Daniels down, and yeah. go and try something else. Go for a walk, get a dog, meet a girl. Go and speak to that girl that you're scared to speak to at 16, 17. Yeah. Like, what difference does it make? You're 16. Like, but at 16, that's the biggest thing in the world is going and just speaking to that girl. Go and do that rather than sit with your friends and, and have a drink or whatever. Yep. Like, you have obviously spoken to a lot of um, famous people, big names in the fight game. Is there anybody famous that you would really like to speak to either in the fight game or outside of that? You know, I think... Uh... A couple of entrepreneurs, you know, John Maxwell, Andrew Frisella, Grant Cardone. Those are big names that I would love to talk on the entrepreneur space. Uh, MMA world, man. I, I talk with, you know, a lot of up and coming fighters, but, you know, my favorite fighter of all time, probably Nate Diaz, who's fighting this weekend, man. And, and uh, you know, it's a love to talk with that guy. It, Donald Cerrone, another big fighter that I would love to have on the show at some point. And, you know, just I think those are the big names that I would I would really love to just have a great conversation with because I love their stories, man, of how they got to where they're at. Yeah, like I have not been particularly involved in UFC since I was about 18 or 19 when it was Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. That was the sort of the, the, the big the big rivalry back then, the Iceman. Yeah. And I was really I was really into it for a couple of years, fell away from it. I'm gonna ask you something then. Conor McGregor, right? Because this guy popped onto the scene and he was a salesman. And he managed to get a fight with a boxing world champion and made all the money in the world. 
Do you have any sort of thoughts on that approach? Because he, he was a good fighter. He, he beat uh, Donald uh, with the old the old shoulders. Um, not that not that long ago. But yeah, do, do you have any issues with somebody getting in and talking, wearing suits, having a big tie, or would you rather see somebody going who's like a Diaz who's solid, technical, and has got that? got that grip rather than that personality yeah i think that uh one i think conor mcgregor is an extremely smart businessman yeah like, you know like he's he knows how to promote himself he knows how to market himself well he's won a couple of titles he's never defended a title ever in his career uh, but so he's an okay fighter in my book right like he's he he's been able to prove himself well in the cage but when it comes to business he's a very smart man and he makes a lot of money promoting himself and he knows how to to post some things that'll get him a fight and things like that obviously you know fighting floyd mayweather made him a lot of money things like that um i like guys who get in the cage and they're they're real like i i like the nate diaz guys i like the donald cerrone guys that are just in there and they just don't care about what people think they're in there to fight and that's what they're all about. And they're also good on their social media presence where I have a lot of fighters on my show. And that's what I try to like really push on them. Like MMA fighters in general, especially up and coming fighters, they don't do a very good job marketing themselves. If they want to be the next Conor McGregor or the next Donald Cerrone or Nate Diaz or Floyd Mayweather or Logan Paul or whoever those Paul brothers are, right? The reason they're making so much money is because they did really well promoting themselves on social media. And so for anybody, whether to a fighter or not, like if you want to go big, you've got to get in on social media, get your name out there, or else you're not going to be the big money guy if that's what you want. Yeah, you've kind of got to be, we would call them dickheads in Scotland. You've got to be a bit of a cocky dickhead like, totally. to, to, sell, <laughs> to sell that game. To be able to like get that fight against an undefeated boxer just by being a loudmouth is meant uh, like when you think about it it really is pretty mental that yeah. he just called him out kept calling him out kept calling him a dickhead stole his hat and then suddenly they're, they're fighting for 40 50 million dollars however much it is but um each each to their own each to their own yeah finally eric if there yeah. is an episode of yours that is one of your favorites where would you point listeners listeners towards i love my conversation that i've had with jim the rookie morris so if you saw the disney movie the rookie that movie is based off of him and the movie is very g-rated compared to his actual life and he has overcome so much in his life to you know he was drafted it to the nfl they called him they left a message with somebody and he didn't even know he got drafted to the NFL when he was in college. The recruiter saw him like 20 years later, man, why didn't you call us back when we said, Hey man, you're drafted to the NFL. And he's like, what phone call? Like, like his, his story is so crazy, you know, and, but he's such a down to earth guy and he's gone through much and he's overcame so much. And me and him, we've just become really great friends over the last couple of years, having him on my show twice. He, you know, sent a video to my son right before baseball season said, Hey, you know, go out there and have an awesome season, things like that. So, I would say go check out the the uh, episodes I did with Jim the Rookie Morris. And where else can people find you online, Eric, before we wrap this up? Yeah, ericallenmedia.com is my website. I'm really active on Instagram. It's just Eric G. Allen. It's E-R-I-K uh, G. Allen. And then uh, YouTube is just um, 
youtube.com slash top rated MMA and, or, you know, and you can find me on Eric Allen media or YouTube if you search it on YouTube there, but, uh, you know, also on Facebook and all that, but it's all under the same name, Eric G Allen or Eric Allen media. And, uh, you know, love connect with people. I respond to all comments I respond to all DMS and happy to help people out. Yeah. What I will do, Eric, is I will put those links into the, into the show notes so that people can just, uh, just click and find you. Thanks for coming on and thanks for having this conversation. I have um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, man, such an honor. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much, Jack. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yes, Eric, thank you very much. And like I say, you can find Eric in the show notes and we will we will speak to you soon. Thank you. Quite the Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints.